all right, I know that you know that you're supposed to forgive them, but what if not forgiving them is going to cost you? That's what we're talking about today on The Truth and Our Trauma. Ever sit down to pray and end up thinking about what you need to buy at the store instead? No judgment. I've totally been there. And that's why I decided to create the Ignite Strategic Prayer Planner and Journal. Know what to pray, track your impact, and learn to hear God's voice for yourself. Ignite is more than just a journal. It's a journey. And it's available now on Amazon and at the link in the show notes. I know talking about forgiveness is a really difficult subject. It is hard for so many reasons, not the least of which is that often the way we've been taught about forgiveness in the past is insufficient, I'll say. There's a lot of stuff out there about forgiveness that isn't biblical. (laughs) And there's also just a lot though that's not very practical. Like we don't even necessarily understand, how do I do this? Even if you want to do it. And sometimes the wanting to do it is difficult, right? And there's all kinds of shame that comes around not wanting to forgive somebody. But I want to set you free today. And I want to set you free because there's so much on the other side for you. And also because not forgiving the person who has hurt you actually costs you. Now, to tell you what I mean, I'm going to use an illustration for you from the animal kingdom, but I promise you there's crossover here. So I was in my backyard and it was wintertime. So there is this very tall tree in my side yard, but because it was wintertime, it had no leaves on it. And I could notice then very clearly these two red cardinals. Now, you know, I love cardinals if you've been following me for a while. And if you don't know anything about them... One thing that's important to know is that only the males are red. The females are brown. So these two red cardinals then were males, and they were actually fighting. They were flitting around in this tree, one trying to chase off the other. They were chirping at each other. They were sort of like seeming to pick at each other. And part of the reason this is, is that cardinals are also very territorial birds. They want to protect their interests and whatever is theirs. And so at first, I didn't really even know what they were fighting over. And then I look up higher up in the tree and I notice the flapping of a female. And then it became absolutely clear these two male cardinals were fighting over this female. And so she is sitting up in the higher branches of the tree while these two males are chasing each other around and trying to fight for dominance. At one point, one of the males actually does break free. He actually does escape from this encounter and flies up to where the female is and sits with her. And then all of a sudden, which seems like for almost no reason, this male cardinal that had flown up high to where the female was goes back to where the other male was and starts picking a fight again. It seemed to make no sense. It was like, wait a minute, didn't you just get what you wanted? And now you're flying back down into the fray to deal with this other bird, but they're territorial. So he wants to make sure that this other bird is not in his space. So they're fighting it out for a couple more minutes and the female loses interest. She just flies away. She just takes off and heads for another tree. And these two males, don't you think that they would notice this and chase her? No, they didn't. They stayed in the lower branches of that original tree and just kept fighting it out. They hadn't even noticed that she'd totally flown away. And this is a picture 
of what happens to us when we have opposition, we have an adversary, and we don't deal with it rightly. It ends up costing us. It ends up costing us the things that actually really matter to us. So often we are caught in situations with a person or with people that have hurt us in the past or continue to hurt us. You know, if it's somebody who is still in your life and you continually have conflict with them, you might try to do your best to deal with it. You might try to be nice to them. You might try even to maybe just shove it down and pretend that it doesn't exist and just hope that maybe things will change or it'll go away. But inevitably, we get tired of being treated like this. We get tired of feeling like we're somebody's punching bag. And so we fight back. We end up trying to stand up for ourselves, trying to assert our position and make sure that other person knows that we're not going to let them get power over us. And if this happens, you end up feeling conflicted because on the one hand, you feel like, well, I used my voice and I defended myself. But then on the other hand, it's sort of not the way you wanted it to go. And so you may end up in this spot where, you know, you kind of all apologize and then go back to your corners and things are okay for a while until something stirs it all back up and then you're back into the fray again. You know, you're like that bird that finally did like, yes, break away. And I'm, I'm up high and I'm doing my life and doing all the things that I want to do. And then yet somehow you get sucked back down into it. And then you're really missing out on living life the way that you want to and feeling free from the emotional roller coaster that this puts you on. Likewise, if this is a person who's not in your life anymore, if this is someone who has harmed you in the past, but you're still racked by what they did to you, then you're going to find yourself possibly in cycles of anger and depression and things like that, where you're just not even able to get out of the emotions of something that's happened a long time ago. And that's very common, especially if you endured some type of trauma and only now are becoming aware of how it's affected you in the long term. And you may be doing all sorts of types of things to heal and get free, but ultimately you keep getting sucked back down into the pit. And either way, you're not free. Either way, whether this person is still in your life or if this is a thing you just are still trying to heal from, from the past, you're not free. And ultimately, you know that it's costing you. You know that it's costing you peace in your heart and peace of mind. You know that it's costing you a freedom in your emotions and in the way that you want to think and feel about things. And then in the long run, this is going to have just compounding costs as your health possibly becomes compromised from all of the stress that you end up losing relationships because of fear or getting into unhealthy relationships because of trying to escape, or you may end up losing other types of opportunities. When you're in the lower limbs of the tree, just fighting it out, when you are locked in the battle with another person and you keep getting sucked into these cycles, it's impossible to see from a different vantage point. It's impossible to see that there's actually another reason and another purpose for this person and this situation in your life. It's actually impossible to see that rather than this being something that's against you, this can be a thing that's for you. It's impossible to imagine that. But what if it is? What if this situation, this opposition that's in your life is actually meant to be a benefit for you? 
I am not saying that. Hear me first and foremost. I am not saying that to bypass any harm or abuse that you've experienced. I am not saying that. What has been done to you or continues to happen to you is not okay. And this doesn't somehow make it okay. We're not going to gloss over something that's horrible with just these like positive thoughts. But what I do want you to know is that there are sometimes and some situations where we feel powerless because of the way that we are viewing a situation and because of then the way we are engaging in that situation. And that if we have a different viewpoint and we choose different things, we then can experience an entirely different outcome. And the reason I want to talk about this is the fact that there are stages in healing from harm. And certainly one of those stages is being able to name and recognize what has happened to you and being able to grieve that and being able to come to terms with the truth of that. And then there's a point for us to continue on in our lives and to break away and to get up higher to get above it, to get above these things where we're no longer locked into the conflict. But then we have a new vantage point and new eyes to see the entire situation in such a way that is transformative for us. So while I am not saying that we are going to sugarcoat and gloss over the things that have happened, I do want to give you a glimpse of possibility of what lies beyond those things. That's why we're talking about this. It is not to circumvent the process of healing. You can't. But it is to recognize that this is where we're headed. This is where we want to go. And it comes from being able to consider the possibility that opposition leads to elevation. Now, I know when I say that, it's like, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, right, sure. Maybe for other people, but not for me. Or maybe it's like, does that, is that really, does that really happen? And I get it. One of the reasons these things are so difficult to believe is because we know of so many stories that didn't go that way or haven't gone that way. And the thing I want us to fixate on, though, is the fact that we can also find stories where it has happened that way. And we can certainly find those types of stories in the Bible. And the reason those types of stories are in the Bible is not to show us, like, look at what this other person could do. But it's to say that with God, this is how things work. With God, we can see a person like Moses who didn't feel qualified, who actually by many standards had been disqualified and maybe felt like he wasn't all that skilled, but with God was able to come up against his opposition and not only win, but then become a leader, become something that he never even thought he could be. Or we see David, this shepherd boy who was able to take down Goliath, and then this shepherd boy who had to go on and deal with this mad king, Saul, in order to become the king himself. What we see played out in these stories and so many others is the reality that in this life, there is a development of ourselves that comes in the face of opposition. It's just the way that it is. It's not necessarily something that we would choose, not something that we would want, but ultimately it's how the difficult and hard and harmful things of this life can be redeemed into something that is a benefit to us. And this is such a picture of the way God operates that he has actually embedded it in nature. The Bible tells us that we can observe God and his attributes and what he is like by what he has created in nature. 
Okay, this one is for all my overthinkers out there. I used to be absolutely debilitated by intrusive thoughts. Everything from constant worry to just dread of the future, I couldn't make it stop. If you're there right now, I have developed a free downloadable guide to help you get your mind back. It's called Overthinking. Get out of your head and on with your life. And you can download it for free right now at UncommonValor.co. So this principle of opposition being something that is used for strengthening was actually seen at the University of Arizona's Biosphere 2. This biosphere, if you're not familiar with it, is basically a dome where they recreated all of these ecosystems inside. And they do this to do research and to understand the way that these ecosystems function. And one of the things that they found back in the late 80s and early 90s when they had created Biosphere 2 was they noticed that they had planted these trees and the trees grew really quickly, like faster than they normally would have in nature. And yet they also, before they reached maturity, toppled over and died. And the researchers were baffled <laughs> because this was supposed to be like Eden for plants. It was like, hey, we've given you all the perfect soil and we you have light and there's everything a tree could want, basically. And these trees are falling over dead well before their time. So as they cut these trees apart to figure out what had gone wrong, they recognized that the bark and the structures were significantly weaker than trees that you would find in nature. And the reason was this dome had no wind. There was no opposition for the trees to move against, to strengthen the roots and the limbs and the bark, that the entire infrastructure of these trees was significantly less sturdy because they hadn't endured the day-to-day -day of the typical natural environment. Without the opposition of weather and wind, these trees were left feeble and fragile. They weren't resilient. They weren't able to survive. And you know what? The same thing happens to us. While certainly there are times in our lives where we feel like, no, the opposition is making me fragile. The opposition is about to take me out. The truth is the longer that we continue to persist, the stronger our resilience and our resolve becomes. And there's certainly a place where it feels like we've been peeled all the way back that that couldn't even be possible. But the point is, God doesn't leave us there. He doesn't leave us at that peeled back point. It's in this opposition and in this what feels like to be breaking down that a stronger rebuilding actually takes place. A fortification takes place. But we have to be willing to see that that's possible and hang on. And part of the reason that's hard for us is that we doubt naturally whether or not that could actually be possible for us. We're not sure that a positive outcome exists for us. We know that God can do it for other people. We just don't know if that's going to be the story for us. And the thing that we have to know, though, is the reason why that is frightening for us is we don't recognize that actually every type of opposition that we experience has two natures. There's two realities at play when it comes to adversarial situations. And that is, it is simultaneously something that can be used by the devil and something that can be used by God. Now, this dual realities principle is something we can actually see at work in the life of Joseph. Joseph is betrayed by his brothers and he's sold off and he has some difficult circumstances that come out of that situation. But ultimately, 
it leads to Joseph's vindication, his rise to power and to position. And when his brothers then come groveling to him because they're hungry and they need food, they're worried because they know they've treated him poorly. Yet Joseph puts his finger right on this principle and says, don't worry, what you all meant to hurt me, what you all meant for evil, God has used for good. This is not a wishful thinking thing on Joseph's part. He has seen it happen. He has seen what was intended to harm him, to have an evil purpose and an evil outcome work in his favor. And this is not a lucky for Joseph type of situation. This is the way God works in our lives. This is also echoed in Romans 8.28 when it says that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So if you love God, as difficult as that can feel sometimes, if you love God and you are seeking after his purpose in your life still, even in all of the things that you have endured and all the things that you've gone through, then you can know that this thing is still at work in your life too. And sometimes the bad is so bad that it is really hard to not look at that. It's really hard to not focus on that, especially as we talked about with these adversarial type relationships. If you do have someone who's continuing to come into your space and stir up chaos and make things difficult for you, it's really hard. But the truth is that there is this other simultaneous reality of God working this for your good and for your benefit that in the long run is more powerful than what you have encountered. It's more powerful than what you may be enduring. It overtakes eventually to the point where you don't see it anymore. And I don't mean that to be like, it's just gone. What I mean is it's not worth noticing anymore. And it's because as you continue on in your story and you see what God is doing in your own life and you start to experience that elevation, then that elevation overtakes the opposition. It doesn't mean that it never happened and it doesn't make it magically go away, but it absolutely sucks the power out of it. We also see this reality played out in the story of the Exodus. Exodus 1.12 says, The more the Egyptians oppressed them, the more the Israelites multiplied and spread, and the more alarmed the Egyptians became. So even before the Israelites were rescued out of Egypt, the opposition and the oppression that they faced was actually causing them to multiply and spread to the terror of their oppressors. So as this opposition does its work, they become strengthened and unified as a people. The Israelites become strengthened and unified. Pharaoh's wickedness then continues to grow to the point that it actually overtakes him and he loses and they're set free. And again, I am not saying this to say that, okay, well, then we should just like put up with abuse and oppression. Obviously, God deals with the oppressors. We see that in the Bible over and over and over again. But when you are stuck in the pit and you can't understand why God's not changing things or how this could ever be any different or how anything good could ever come from this, it just helps you understand that God's ways are always good. There is always a good intention. It is not for you to just suffer endlessly. It's not. It's not for you to learn to grin and bear it and suck it up. It's not. 
It's to know that you're being rebuilt. It's to know that you're actually being empowered and strengthened. I know it feels like you're being torn down, but that's the point that I want to get across is that so much of what we see in the natural that looks and feels terrible is actually producing something powerful in the supernatural that we don't see or understand. And those are the things that we know that God sees that we have to entrust to Him because our view is so limited. The Bible tells us that his ways are higher than ours, but here's the thing. He actually wants to bring us up to where he is. He wants us to set our sights on where he is and what he's doing and see things the way that he's doing it, because this is what allows us to transcend what we are experiencing or have experienced. This is what allows us to overcome it and to start operating at a higher level. It's where we start to see they betrayed me, but now I don't look to people to gain approval anymore. I know that I belong to God, that he never left me. You know, where this person maybe took everything that you had, that you recognize over time as he restores and rebuilds you, that everything you ever needed came from God anyway. And you didn't need to put all your eggs in their basket. It's where you ultimately get free of all of this. But the road there, it hurts. It feels like when we're taking the high road and when we're trying to forgive someone and we're trying to just go our own way, that they're getting away with something. It feels unfair. But truly, it only looks that way when you're underneath it still. It only looks that way when you perceive that they are in an elevated position over you. It looks that way when you feel like you need them for something still, even if that is just to have the ability to clear your name. But when you can get above it and see things as God does, you start to recognize that actually all of this is a game. It is a trick of the enemy to keep you focused on another person and not what God could be or is doing in it for you and through you. This whole thing is a distraction tactic from the enemy who knows about this dual reality. He knows that everything that he could be using to stir up trouble could also be used by God to benefit us, to actually win. And as long as he can keep us focused on the fight, he can keep us focused on the bad stuff, then he wins. So he keeps us focused on the trauma or he keeps us focused on this power struggle. And he keeps you with your eyes constantly being diverted and turned back to this person because then you will never look to God. You'll never think that you could get above this to see what else lies beyond this whole thing. He never wants you to become the person that God could make you into out of all of this. And he never wants you to imagine the life that you could live that actually can come from this difficult circumstance. And this is why God gives us a better strategy in his word. He tells us, don't war against flesh and blood. Don't take it out on other people or with other people. Don't get distracted on what you see happening. Recognize that you've actually got a bigger adversary. You've got opposition coming from a way higher level because it's the enemy who's behind all of this whole thing, pulling the strings. He's like this puppet master, you know, he's up there behind the curtain and he is dangling all of these things in front of us to distract us. And the Lord is saying, don't get distracted looking at what another person is doing. Recognize that this is a game of the devil trying to keep you away from the things that I have for you. 
So the Lord wants us to know your opposition might look like it's this other person, but really your opposition is the devil. And then when we start to recognize that, we can realize that in Jesus, we have everything we need to get away from this. We have everything we need to get above this and not get sucked into the devil's tricks. We have everything we need to rise above it and win. And how do we do that? Well, this is what I started talking about in the beginning, and it's forgiveness. And I want to talk to you about forgiveness from an angle that perhaps you've never considered before. I've done other episodes on forgiveness to talk about the basics of the theology of it, but I want you to understand it as we're talking about this more in spiritual warfare type terms. I want you to understand really what is at play and what you have to gain and what you have to lose. Ephesians 4, 26 through 27 says, don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry for anger gives a foothold to the devil. Now, a lot of the way that this gets taught to us is hurry up and forgive somebody before you get to bed. So that way the devil doesn't come after you in your sleep. And what I really want you to see, though, is the picture of this word anger, what it's trying to describe. The word that is used for anger here in the Greek talks about a slow burn. It talks about something that is festering and stewing day after day after day. It's a bitterness it's a vengefulness. It's a hatred that is stirring itself up to wrath continually. This passage is telling us injustice is going to happen and you're going to be angry. Don't let the anger control you. Don't let the anger be something that day after day after day as the sun goes down is continuing to fester and is continuing then to become this way that actually the devil gains a foothold into your life. Where instead of you elevating above this, you're being sucked down and dragged down further and further and further. In this passage, Paul is telling us injustice is going to happen and it's going to make you angry. It doesn't say don't become angry. It says in your anger, don't sin. Don't let it control you. When this injustice occurs, basically you can go one of two ways with it. You can allow that anger to drive you and take you down, or you can allow that anger to turn you towards God who is perfectly just Throw yourself in his care, which is what forgiveness does. Say, Lord, I need your justice over this situation because your justice is perfect. And my justice is only going to lead to me going down this vengeful path that's going to end in my doom. It's saying, get the mitts of the devil off of me so that I don't get dragged down, but that I can rise higher, that I can rise above this, that I can encounter your love and your justice and your peace and your presence and everything that you want for me instead of being dragged down by this anger. And then as we release this to God, which is what forgiveness really is, it's not forgiving and forgetting. It's saying, I'm not the one who is going to see this through to justice. I'm going to leave this to the Lord. Then as we transcend that experience, we start to see this power struggle then. We start to see things for what they are. We stop getting sucked in by all these bids for arguments and fights and stuff like that. And maybe even become like that female bird who was so high up and just fly away. Just remove ourselves from the situation as often as we can in the ways that we can. And while that might not always be possible in our human interactions, we certainly can be free in our hearts. 
We certainly then can keep our minds focused on what the Lord is doing. We can allow Him to change us and transform us that where this opposition might not necessarily stop, it doesn't have to stop you. It's exactly how Joseph got from opposition to elevation, and we can do the same thing. Forgiveness is how he was able to do it, and it's the same thing for us, where we have the ability to look at this dual principle of things, where anything that can be used for evil can be used for good, and say, I choose to let God do His work in this rather than letting the devil do His. Because the truth is, in the end, Not making the choice to let God do what he will do with it means allowing the devil to do what he will do with it, and ultimately, that will cost you. If this is new for you or you don't know how to get started, I've done other episodes on forgiveness and also wrote a process for forgiveness that you can use in Made for More, Life Beyond the Wreckage of Hurt, Loss, and Heartbreak. This is also something that we do in breakthrough sessions where Jesus actually can lead you through a forgiveness experience. And I will include links to those things down in the show notes. However you choose to embrace this, I just pray that you know that as a child of God, you deserve to be free. That's what Jesus died for, for you, and for you to be able to experience that in the here and now because he has so much more for you. Shalom. Thanks for being with me for this episode today. I hope you'll come back again. And in the meantime, you can follow me over on social media and find out about our resources and services over at uncommonvalor.co.